0: And the rich man also died and was buried. And he lift up in, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, And likewise, Lazarus, evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all of this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from here to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from you here. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that they may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they won't hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they persuade it, though one rose from the dead. We're starting a series this week. Um, I don't think I've ever done a Sunday morning series, but I've... I have wanted to do this for a while and haven't felt, felt the, the green light to do so, but I do now. We're going to talk for the next few weeks about life, death, and the end of time. Uh, but the first piece of that series we'll talk about today, the beginning of eternity. We're going to talk about the beginning of eternity. Why don't you, uh, why don't you take the hand of the person beside you and let's pray together this morning. Father, I love you so much. I thank you for what we have felt, what we feel even now. I thank you for your great anointing. I pray right now, God, that you will work on our minds, work on our hearts, work on our lives, make us into what you want us to be. ask that you will anoint me today. Use me to speak exactly what you want spoken, nothing more and nothing less. Help us to hear what the Spirit would say. We'll thank you so much. We, we love you so much. We ask it all in Jesus' name. And you can be seated. Thank you for standing for such a long period of time. Who has seen the Disney movie Ratatouille? Oh, yeah. All right. In the Disney movie Ratatouille, there's a a scene where we're first introduced to uh, the the chef-to-be. And... Uh, they're they're hiring this guy as somebody just to take out the garbage because it was a favor to his mother. And uh they ask, Well, well, how is your mother? How is she doing? And and he, he kind of hem hauls around and says, Well, she she's she's been better. And somebody leans in and said, She died. And uh and the, the main character there says, Yeah, but 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 she believed in heaven, so she's covered, you know, afterlife wise. It is an age old question what happens when we die? It's a question that all of us should try to or at least endeavor to get the answer to because it's something that unless the Lord comes back we're all going to experience. It is, uh, as Benjamin Franklin said, there are only two guarantees in life, death and taxes. Uh, Amen. And so I want to talk to us today. I think that we ought to have a biblical understanding of what happens when this life is over. The ancient Egyptians embalmed their their dead, and they believed that they would uh, once again live, and that's why King Tut was buried with all of his riches, because you know you might need some riches later. Um, Hindus believe that you will be reincarnated, that you can you can die and you'll come back as someone or something else. Um, there, there there are just so many different beliefs. There there are those that just believe that whenever. You take your last breath, your next stop is to be worm food. Uh, or uh, a friend of mine, he passed away and was cremated and he wanted to be sprinkled in the Meadow River because he said, I ate so many fish out of there, I just want to give back. <laughs> and that's what happened. There is that opinion that that nothing happens when you die, you just die. There's the opinion that everybody goes to heaven. Though nobody says that out loud, uh, and most Christians say they believe in heaven and hell, it does seem that when someone dies, no matter who they were, what they did, how they lived, it seems like they're always in a better place. And some, of us, some people believe that when you die, you are in a state of unconsciousness until a later time. Others teach that when someone departs this life, they go to a temporary place of suffering and will go to heaven after they have paid for their own sins. I am really not interested in what anyone else says. I want to know, what does the Bible say? I just believe that the Bible is the absolute authority on life and it's the absolute authority on death. And certainly, with such a universal and important question, the Bible would speak about it. And so that's that's what we're going to address today. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23 says this. Paul says, I pray that the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit soul, and body, be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul lays out for us that we are three parts. We are body, soul, and spirit. Now, uh, th- those three parts of us, we have, have different roles. Uh, and so when someone slugs you in the arm, your body feels it. But your soul has an emotional reaction. Uh, Where did these three parts come from? I'll I'll, uh, direct you to Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 7. It says that God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. So... From the very beginning of creation, God lays out this pattern and He gives us an understanding of what we are made up of. God formed man out of the dust. Everybody say body. body. And so your body is just made of dust, which is literally true. We're just a bunch of trace elements and, and carbon and a bunch of water. And uh, I, I guess just a little bit of flame and we're ready to be fish food. Uh, Everything is over with. Uh, And so, so we are a body. And then it says that God breathed into man the breath of life. That word breath is the same word as spirit or ghost. God breathed into man spirit. And at that moment, God made man a living soul. The body was created, the breath of life, the spirit came from God, and then at that instant a soul was created that is going to live somewhere forever. Uh, It is the period of time when the spirit dwells in this body that we call life. But the soul is who we really are. The soul is your personality. It's your emotions. It is uh, is who you are. Ecclesiastes says this, Ecclesiastes 12 and 7, and I'll preach in just a minute. Is it okay if I teach a little bit on Sunday morning? Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse number 7 says, it's talking about the end of life. It says some familiar words that probably every one of us has heard at a graveside. Then shall dust return to the earth as it was and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. It is almost as if at death it's that Spirit that God gave, that life-giving force that holds everything together. But when the Spirit departs the body... It is is called giving up the ghost. Whenever Jesus was on the cross, John 9.30 says that when Jesus had received the vinegar, He said it is finished. He bowed His head and He gave up the ghost. In other words, the spirit departed from Him and that is death. When the spirit departs, the only thing left for the body is the ground. But a soul lives forever somewhere. The Spirit goes back to God, who is Spirit. It was only on loan from Him. But what happens to the soul? Where does it go? And so we get to our Scripture that we read. Jesus tells this story about the rich man and Lazarus. It says the rich man fared sumptuously every day. In other words, he was dressed well, ate well, had it going on. And then there was Lazarus who was a poor beggar who laid outside the rich man's gates and he he yearned if he could just have some crumbs from the rich man's table. And as fate would have it, because this isn't a parable, Jesus gives specific names. This is a true story that Jesus is retelling. As fate would have it, these two men die on the same day. And it says that immediately... Lazarus was ushered into the bosom of Abraham, and immediately the rich man lifted up his eyes in hell and was in torment. I want to show you a couple things before we really get into uh, the depth of, of this teaching, and that is first of all, this story does not say to us, rich people are lost and poor people are saved. That is not what the story means. But we can draw from the story that just because you're well and increased with goods, it doesn't mean your soul is okay. Furthermore, just because you may be in poverty, it doesn't mean there's something wrong with your walk with God. At one point, I think it's... It's either James or Paul writes, and he says that there are some that teach that gain is godliness. So that's not true. Just because you are increased with goods doesn't mean God loves you more or that your soul is okay. That's not what it means. So that, don't try to draw, this, uh, draw that from this story. But what I do want you to see is that there was an immediacy of eternity. When Lazarus drew his last breath, and when the rich man drew his last breath, they entered into eternity immediately. There was not a pause, there was not a break, there was not a rest period, there was not uh, some time for them to recoup and try to figure something out. There was not a a time that there would be a waiting or a sleeping. It says that they were immediately where they were. I think it's good for us to realize that. That there is a day when we're going to breathe our last breath. And Glenn Ferris, you know I don't preach like this all the time. I I rarely preach like this. But there is a day when we are going to draw our last breath. Paul said this, 2 Corinthians 5 and 8. He said, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. We've heard a paraphrase of that. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Paul had an understanding that he wanted to give us that whenever this life is over, that's where we're trying to get. I was listening to a preacher the other day and he said his mom was... uh, I guess they were debating on whether they were going to go to a restaurant this a couple of years ago. Was she going to wear a mask in the restaurant? Was she afraid of catching COVID? And, and uh, he said, my mom looked at me and said, I've been living my whole life to make it to heaven. And if that's the vehicle by which God wants to get me there, I'm not going to fight him on it. Now, I'm not saying be reckless, but we should not be afraid of dying if we're living right. We should live in such a way that we're not afraid for eternity to begin in our lives. Because for the child of God to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. He said it this way in Philippians. He said, for, me to, live, or for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruit for, fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I don't know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Paul was in a Philippian jail, and he knew that he had a death sentence on his life. And he he asked for prayer. He said, I don't know how it's going to turn out. I don't know if I am going to lay my head on a chopping block, and that's going to be the end of me here. But I do know this, if that is the end, what I have in the future is gain. What I have in front of me is better than what I have right now. Amen. Amen. I'm holding off. We're going to preach about heaven in a couple weeks. But I, I want to live this life understanding there's something better. I think in modern Christianity, we preach too much, Brother Tim, about the present and not enough about eternity. We preach too much about how God's going to bless me today and He's going to take care of me today and He's going to get me through the valley today and He's going to get me through the fire today and tomorrow everything's going to be okay and I'm going to be blessed. But we don't preach enough about when we all get to heaven. We don't preach enough about we need to have ourselves right because this life is short and eternity is long. And so there's an immediacy at death. There is no pause. There is, there is nothing between our last breath and the beginning of eternity. Furthermore, he says uh, Lazarus and, and, and the rich man. The rich man's there in hell, and he can see Lazarus and he can see Abraham. And the rich man in hell begins to petition Abraham and say, Can you send Lazarus over here with just a drop of water? And Abraham said, No. There is a great gulf fixed, a great divide, a great chasm, an impassable division that is between us, that even if he wanted to, even if somebody in heaven wanted to come to hell and comfort you, they are not able to. And anybody that's where you are, a uh, rich man, they can't come over here and be comforted. At the moment of death, where you are, you are there for eternity. I know there are some doctrines that that folks have taught that if you pray enough or you get baptized for somebody who's already passed away or maybe if you give a big enough offering, you can get a loved one out of punishment. Which, by the way, would be an excellent fundraiser, wouldn't it? (laughs) Those are not scriptural doctrines. It is very clear from this teaching. Jesus says, even if somebody wanted to leave heaven, they can't do it. There is a great gulf fixed. So, Luke chapter 12 and verse number 16. This is Jesus speaking. He spoke a parable and he said, The ground, uh, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, this I will do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. This farmer, he's got a bumper crop. His Crops are producing, his ground's producing so great, his barns aren't big enough. So he says, man, i got to have a building program. Tear down the old barns, builds bigger barns, so that he is is laying up things for his future. He says, I'm going to be able to to retire in ease. I'm going to be able to to live off of what I've accumulated over my my lifetime because I I have been a good steward and, and my ground is produced. But God said, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? And so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Jesus says that a fool does not consider his own mortality. We spend our lives thinking about tomorrow. preparing. If we're smart, we will spend some time thinking about tomorrow, and planning for tomorrow. But Jesus says, you're a fool. That was his words, not mine. He said, thou fool, you've laid up all of this stuff, but your soul's going to be required of you tonight. A fool doesn't think about his own mortality. We have got to, we don't like to talk about it. Nobody wants to think about dying. Brother Tex, how old am I, honey? 42. I still don't think about it. When I was 20, I surely didn't think about it. I don't know. There's some of you guys. Brother Tex used to be 10 feet tall and bulletproof. (laughs) So he said he shrunk. We don't like to think about eternity. We don't like to think about the end of this life. But Jesus says it's foolish just to prepare for this life and not prepare for after this life. We have to come to grips with the fact that we are not going to live in this body forever. In fact, whenever Paul talks about us uh, being buried, he talks about this corruptible body. That word corruptible, it literally means it rots. Just elbow somebody and say, you got a lot of rotten flesh. (laughs) This body is on its way out. This body is not designed to last forever. This body was designed to live in the Garden of Eden. It is not designed to live in a fallen world. And we are not going to live forever in this body. But we are. Our soul is going to live somewhere. James said this, "...whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow..." For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. I always thought it was really neat when I was a kid. In the summertime, Sister Nikki opened the freezer door and all that steam comes out. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I thought that was amazing. My my mom, Sister sister, uh, uh, Martha, my mom would make tea every day. Yes, she wasn't even British. She would make tea every day, and, and she had one of those tea kettles that, that whistled whenever it was ready. And every day she made uh, a half a gallon of tea or a gallon, whatever it was. And, and I remember that, that whistle, and I, I was always amazed that steam, Brother Jeff, coming up out of that. Man, that's neat. And it's the same thing when you open the freezer door that, that water vapor, it comes out there. But I realized something about both of those you can see them for a moment but then it just vanishes. And and, and sister baby, we're kind of like, where did it go? I wonder if there's some retirees sitting here today that can say, where did it go? i Am I 43? Is that what we just determined? 42? Okay. I'll be 43 sometime if I make it that long. But I can look back... I'm, I think I, I texted Sister Angie the other day. I said, in May, we will have graduated a quarter century ago. <laughs> yeah, you too. Yeah. Where did it go? It's like that vapor when you open the freezer door, and it's there for a little bit, and then it's gone. Where did it go? He said that's how our life is. Job said, Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Somebody said, Amen. He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. The International Standard Version says, He springs up like a flower and then withers. Some of us are in the wilting phase right now. Is this just too real? You spring up like a flower. And then you start to. I'm getting. I'm getting some some bad faces here. And then it withers. We grow up and wither as quickly as flowers. We disappear like shadows. We must understand that this life doesn't last forever. Jesus came to deliver us from the fear of death. Hebrews. 2 and 15 says as much. Jesus came to deliver us from the fear of death. He tasted death so we would not have to have eternal death. He suffered so we would not have to suffer eternally. He rose again to show that we too can rise again. Man, I feel the presence of the Lord here right now. We're not in a hopeless situation, yet this body's hopeless. This body is going to deteriorate. It is going to be gone after a period of time. But God did not leave us hopeless. Proverbs 22 and 3, A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. But the simple pass on and are punished. The prudent man, the smart individual, sees what's in front of us. And what's in front of us is the death of this body. And a smart individual is going to prepare for what's on the other side of the veil of this flesh. The simple pass on. The simple just go on about their way, and they are going to be punished. We have... An answer, and that is the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Ghost. It is our hope. Paul said this, if we have hope in this life only, we are of all men most miserable. I'm glad we don't have just hope in this life, but we've got hope in a life to come. So it's appointed unto men once to die. We have the opportunity to die now. And that is that we can give our life to Him. We can repent of our sins. And that is our spiritual death. And if we'll die now, we will not have to have an eternal death. Jesus said this, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I, Brother Brad, I'm, I'm glad those weren't my words. Because Jesus is very Clear except you are born again. You must be born again. Then he clarifies, he says, I say in the except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. When we we repent of our sins and die out, We're baptized in the name of Jesus. It's a birth of water, and God fills us with the Holy Ghost. It's the birth of spirit. And now we have hope for a future beyond this life. I I want us to understand tonight that we have, or today, I'm sorry, that we have hope for a future when we place our hope in Him. If we're like the rich man, I, I've done good stuff. I've, 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 I've laid up things in this life. I've prepared for this life. That's not good enough. We've got to prepare for the life in front of us. And it comes with having our sins remitted in the name of the Lord Jesus. It comes with surrendering our lives and letting God fill us with His Spirit because if that same Spirit that quickened Christ from the dead also live in your mortal body, He's going to take you out of here. when things. We need to be prepared. For the end. Because eternity is coming upon us quickly. Let's stand to our feet today. We've got, we've got, we've got some exciting things going in just a minute. We've got somebody who wants to get baptized. And we're excited about that. Somebody's working on their eternity. Getting ready for that. But today, I think it would be good if we would evaluate our own mortality. That one day this life is going to be over. I don't want to be like... Either of the two rich men. Where Jesus looks at that second one and says, You fool. All you thought about was getting through this life. You better think about the next life. So we'll do this a little different. I'm going to take a a scripture totally out of context. And so understand that I'm doing that. Just smile. There's... There's a verse in Psalms that says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. I'm totally out of context. I, I do feel like I was years, years ago, it's been 20 years ago now, the, the Lord gave me a, a little revelation. And I was, I was sitting in church, and, and there's a guy named Steve. We called him Ninja, he always wore a bandana. When the preacher was done preaching, Steve sat on the front row. Steve had always hit the altar. Steve was ready to pray all the time. And I sat there and I thought, Brother Josh, Steve is a doorkeeper because he comes to the altar and it's like he opens a door and then anybody can come. And so there's a number of us today that really need to seriously pray, that really need to evaluate. What does my future look like? I'm going to call on some doorkeepers to come to the altar and kind of make things comfortable up here so folks can have a liberty to pray. I, as I stood on the platform, I was thinking about Brother Pretty. I was thinking about Brother Pretty, um, pastor in Chesapeake. He and his wife, they'd just gone to the grocery store. Is that correct, Brother Anderson? He had gone to a doctor's appointment. They had left the doctor's appointment. They were sitting in the parking lot of the grocery store. And all of a sudden, she said, he stiffened. His foot slammed the accelerator pedal. We hit like five cars. Is that right? Kind of a domino effect, five cars. And Brother Pretty was gone in a moment and his eternity began at that moment. He was a pastor of a church. A great man of God. And in a moment, no warning, he was gone. And just like Lazarus, the angels came and ushered him to an eternal home to be in the presence of the Lord. It can happen that fast. They're going to sing. I think it would be a good idea if we prayed. You can come around this altar. This altar is open. I want my heart to be right. I don't want there to be pride. I don't want there to be ego. I don't want there to be bitterness. I don't want there to be any kind of sin in my life that He would turn away. I don't want Him to turn away from me in that hour.